and being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now today, God will give you direction again in Jesus' name. Amen. He will give you understanding in the name of Jesus. Amen. He will give you life. Amen. He will give you healing. Amen. He will give you complete healing. Amen. Anyone listening to this expect to be totally healed. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father will receive healing for everyone paying attention to these words. Every disease is driven out in Jesus' name. Amen. Especially those ones they call incurable. We drive out every fear by the entrance of the word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All the time. Let's open our Bibles to start today. Uh, last time we read from Isaiah chapter 53, and I would like us to read that one also. Uh, before we read it, I think um, let's read from the book of Romans chapter 5. We'll start today from the book of Romans chapter 5. We are going to come back to this later, so I'm just going to take this from a particular point. Um, let's start from verse um, 6, thereabouts. Alright? Where I'm going is it's a bit further down, but I'll just pick from verse 6. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone will dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, I want you to notice something here. He's talking about different levels of salvation. He said, and not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Some things are past tense, some things are future. Verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Now, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. He said, Death entered through the world before all men sinned. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. That is, what he was saying, maybe we should read it simpler. In verse 15, he says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace 
and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And let me just stop this in verse 17. And I said in verse 16, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. Again, I feel like making that one simpler. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, if you please, just so you understand, I moved from reading New American Standard to New Living Translation, which was more straightforward, okay? For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who received it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now, please bear this in mind. I apologize for using a more difficult translation to start the reading, but I have to just switch to a simpler one before the end. We are going to study more of the teachings of Paul in this regard, but I just want to introduce something from there here that's today, so that we used to continue from where we ended last time. But we'll get back to this and read also First uh, Corinthians, which uh, we read before. And we'll see so many of the things that God reveals, especially to a man like Paul, which we need to order our lives right. Okay? Now, quickly, let's go back to the book of uh, Genesis. The one we're reading before, Genesis chapter 3. Why I read this is where he emphasized that sin came into the world through one man, and then death passed through unto everybody, but not just because death had come in, but because all sinned. Do you understand? Now, because we've read this before, and we all know the story, I'll try and just read a few lines, save time, as I jump from here to there. He said, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees in the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, otherwise you will die. The serpent said to the man, You surely will not die. He said to the woman, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food. The Bible says that she took from its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he also ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and that they sowed feed fig leaves together, and made themselves loin coverings. Then God came in and began to pronounce judgment. You know what happened. He interrogated them. What happened? Did you eat what I did of the fruits that, of the tree that I said you shouldn't eat? Verse, uh, that's in verse 11. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. And then the woman answered, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then God began to pronounce his judgment. Now, 
Again, we don't want to focus on that because there's some, one point we're trying to bring out. We go down to verse um, 22, uh, verse 21. No, I think I should actually go back and read some things about the judgment. There's a reason why I just realized I'm going to get there today. God said in verse um, to, to the serpent in verse 15, He said, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and it shall bruise you on the head." and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, verse 22. Okay, I've read 21. Then the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. That is, that was the first act of mercy he showed to them. Remove the fig leaves they put upon themselves and replaced with the skin of an animal that he had sacrificed. In verse 22, Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the, the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, we read this before, just that it's good to read the Bible, so let's read it again. Now, today, what we are going to be looking at, or we're going to continue what we've been talking about, what salvation is about, this is what salvation is, and what I've been emphasizing, first of all, is where we are saved from. We must understand that many of us don't recognize what God did for us. Sometimes because God has so saved you, you don't realize what salvation really is. Sometimes you need to listen to people's testimonies that, who have experienced death in an, in, let me say, in a practical and visible dimension so that they will tell you what God saved them out of. Sometimes my children and I will watch um, some programs on TV, and they, you, we see, you see drug addicts, and you, you know, you are not addicted to, to drugs, you don't understand how a chemical substance can put a human being in bondage. There was a man we saw in one of those programs, and he was a, I think it was a banker, or a financial industry uh, person. He used to have a house, he used to have a family, he used to have a beautiful job, Wall Street kind of work. Then now he lives on the streets, you know, put a cardboard somewhere and slide behind it. He had nothing. And he laughed. He said, where did it all go? He said, I guess it went up my arms. That is, I sold everything to buy drugs. That's what he was saying. That heroin took everything I had from me. Now I live day to day. How does he make money begging? He just goes around begging. And any money he makes is to buy heroin. That is what they call addiction. Now, you know, if you have never being in that kind of situation, most of us have never been, you don't understand what it means to be addicted. You will say, why don't you just stop, stop taking the drugs? He too wishes he could stop taking the drugs. 
No man want to sell his house, lose his family. He had a family, lose his uh, job, to be living on the street. He didn't want it. But sin, listen to this, had dominion over him. Now, those are the kind of things that God saved us out from. I started by explaining that, listen, when we talk about hellfire or lake of fire, that please don't be carried away by the fire thing. Like somebody will say, of course, they were mocking that um, Tetona said this. I heard him say it. I was watching him on TV. Tetona started the CNN. That was a founder of CNN. At the point in time, he was worth over $13 billion. All right? About $12, $13 billion. The man was very rich at the point in time. Once he gave $1 billion out to United Nations to solve problems in the world. Okay, I mean, he was rich. He was a very hard worker. But let me just say what he said that day. He said he doesn't want to go to heaven. That because the way heaven has been described, everything is perfect. That he wants to go to where he can improve things. So hell will be a better place to go because he can rearrange hell and make it good. I said, fine. Just go. There's no problem. Now, this is where we Christians created part of it. We don't realize the meaning of the word eternal, you know, that lake of fire. Maybe we should drop the word lake of fire. Even though the Bible uses it, I'm not saying it's a wrong word. But let's try and explain to people, is eternal damnation we are talking about. Let's get the concept right. The issue is damnation. The issue is torment. And I've explained that the thing about the torment is that it is eternal separation from God. That is what the torment is about. It is not a place where you can improve anything. Improving things is not possible. Because life is in God. So when God separates you from the life that is in him, Jesus was, no, he, he saw in quotes now, the back of the father for just a fraction of a time. Yet you saw the panic in his face. When he said, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? It is not funny. I kept emphasizing that again and again. Let me just say this to us again. This life is very short. It's very transient. Anything that can scare you on this earth, imagine it amplified a billion, billion times and will last a billion years. That is an introduction to what eternal damnation is like. It is not about fire burning. That is why nobody dies as a result of the fire there. Because the fire there is used to explain what torment is about. And it's a natural thing. When I say natural, is this. If you see what God is doing to bring everything in subjection to himself, if you don't agree, you automatically stay outside. Outside are the dogs. Outside, he said, is darkness. Do you understand? Jesus made it clear. You take the person to outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there is eternal regret. Do you follow my point? That is the fundamental thing that God is saving us from. We need to bear it in mind. How did we get to that position? Let's explain it again. The, why we read this portion is that God put a tree there. That tree spoke of independence. It spoke of rejection of the lordship of God over our lives. Now, even though the, the translation, of course, it is, you know, there's a bit of, it's not very literal, but you can see one word there, Lord God. You understand? That is when you see God, God is not just God. Let's take the English aspect of it, Lord God. God is not just supposed to be God. He's supposed to be Lord also. God is creator, the maker of all things. But Lord is personal. Lord is controller of your life. I hope I get my point. So Lord God means that you take God and make him Lord over your life. 
Let him control the things that you are doing. What the tree says, that tree of um, the knowledge of good and evil, is saying that I will be the controller of my own life. I will decide what is right. I will decide what is wrong. It was not just a you know, physical fruit. Like we said, it's a sign of something. It's a sign of something. And that's how God is life. Many things in this life, like the communion table, is ordinary, in quote, you know, bread. That's just the expression. It's ordinary wine. But people eat it in the Bible wrongly and become sick. People eat it, Christians eat it wrongly and they die. Even though it looks like ordinary bread and ordinary wine. That's why we say it's a sacrament. It's sacramental. It speaks of spiritual realities. So anyone eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is rejecting the lordship of God. He's saying that if God says something is right, I will go and test it whether it is right or it is wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying here? If God says it is right, I have to go and test first. And when I will have tested, I will return with my own decision and say, this is what I want to do. Now, let me just quickly explain something here. Because, you see, we look at Adam and Eve, and we do these things every day, not realizing we are doing them. I remember one particular sister, I give this illustration, one, very, one perfect illustration. And a lot of us do it in our hearts. One brother came to university, I was interested then, and did a program, a seminar, and taught us a lot of things. And they went, and this is the jokes you don't crack. And I remember this lady cracked this joke. She did, okay, somebody reported what she said to me. She said that, forget all those things that that reverend said, that the brother came to the meeting. It was something on marriage. He said, as far as I'm concerned, I am still going to find myself a tall, dark, and handsome man to marry. Now, was she going to marry a tall, dark, and handsome person? I don't know. But for you to say, forget what that man said. This is what I have made up my mind to do. You have eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A man came to you and gave you the word of God. You did not argue with other verses of scripture to say he's wrong. You just rejected his counsel. That was what Adam and Eve made up their minds to do. Listen, when Satan said to them, now today I want to talk about what death is, okay, as a consequence of that. When God said to them, in that day you will die, and Satan said you will not surely die. Now you must understand, what Satan was explaining as death was different from what God was saying, uh, explaining as death. I read that again to point out something, that Satan did not, please follow this, he did not lie in that sense. In that if you wanted to go to court, a human court, and check whether the man lied or not, you couldn't find him as lying because he said you will be like God. God came to the court and testified that man has become like one of us. Did he lie? No, he did not. In that sense. He said you will surely die. Then that day they went to court. I'm an illustration. And Adam showed up in court. And Eve showed up in court. Were they dead? No. See, Satan lied. Again, no. It appears like. Because what God said about death, you understand, was not what Satan was saying. Was not what Eve was thinking. What God said about death was very different. When Satan said he would die, what Eve thought of, okay? I don't even know what, what she understood. But we, reading it now, assume that she will collapse. We, reading it now, assume that she will expire. But they did not expire. But the word of God still came to pass. The word of God still came to pass. I want to talk about death. Now, but I feel like talking about that independence again. Now, let me say what they call the temptation. If you see what the Bible says about that, that Eve looked at it. It looked at the fruit. And what did she notice? She noticed that the tree was desirable to make one wise. The Bible says that she saw that the tree was good for food 
and that it was a delight to the eyes. It was a delight to the eyes. This is so important to understand. The tree, she said, was good for food. She observed it. And this is what, what life is about. What something looks like does not tell you what really it is. Do you get what I'm trying to say here? It looked good to the eyes. And again, bear this in mind. The reason why it looked good to Eve was because it was suggested to her. She had been passing that tree every day. She never felt that it was good. She never felt it was beautiful. Because the instruction that her husband gave her as the word of God was strong in her heart. And that faith in those words created a picture in her heart, a, a frame of mind, so that the tree did not look good at all. Then when Satan came and gave her, now listen to what I want to say, and gave her another word, and she paid attention to that word, that word she paid attention to created a different frame of mind for her. Suddenly she looked at it, and it began to look good. I hope you're getting my point. Let me explain what I'm going to say here, because you see how we reject God every day. How we reject God, we decide to be Lord over our own lives. And that is what the world tries to do. When television, you know, sometimes I look, I feel like, I wish I could go back to the days of deeper life of the early days, where they call it the devil's box. Because sometimes you you see so much devil, really, inside it. Yeah, really, it sounds like a joke. But you see, you have to use these things very, very wisely. Like I say all the time, on the internet, there's all kinds of evil, but we also use it for good. It's technology. Technology in itself is neutral. But the world does something with technology. They try to shift your perception of reality. They try, they try to shift your perception of what is good and what is bad. Now, what did Eve, uh, the, the Satan need to do to change the mind of Eve concerning the appearance of the tree? Just tell her something about it. I, 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 okay, let's talk about, because I'm a Christian, so I have to stick, stick with Christian principles and the word of God. Let's talk about human sexuality as an example. I was quoting something last time. I forgot to check up the name before I came. So I say I've forgotten. A man wrote a book, did a study, and decided to show it was something on human sexuality. And at the end of the day, he tried to explain that there's nothing wrong with being with a man being attracted to another man. There's nothing wrong with a woman being attracted to another woman. There's nothing wrong with committing adultery. He explained all of these things. There's nothing wrong with doing all these things. And his reason was simply because he did a study. Now, like I said, the study has been analyzed, the, um, the data has been analyzed and found to be flawed. There was a lot of errors in it. But I published it then and people wanted to believe it. And he said clearly, there is nothing wrong with having thoughts of adultery or of, uh, of uh, sleeping with anybody you care about. That is, you, that comes to your mind. There's nothing wrong with it. Why? Simply because of what they call salvation by survey. He analyzed people and found out that many people liked it like that. So he wrote a book and said, it is normal to human beings. Why are we suppressing that which is normal to us? That was what he said. And people took it as a scientific publication to show that religious restrictions were wrong. They took it as a scientific, as a scientific publication and used it as a foundation to fight for what they call sexual freedom. And they kept on pushing it. Now, you see where I'm going. Now, if you ever... St- I've spoken with people in environments where those things are very strong. And they look at you like, what is the big deal about it? Now, this, that's where I'm going. What is the big If you, if you talk to them like, why are you people legalizing um, homosexual marriages? They will give you the impression like, they are not forcing you to marry a homosexual. But they have the freedom to do what they want to do. Now, if you read the scriptures, God will say, this is an abomination. But then, 
This is what they call Satan. Satan will present the facts again and again until you will look at the tree and you look desirable. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's it. it. The shift for something, and I remember one movie I saw many years ago. One, they pointed at one guy that, ah, this guy is homosexual, that kind of thing. And one young girl said, what? Now, the film was done deliberately to promote the agenda. It, it was about that. It was, that guy was the star of the movie. They wanted to show us that he's a very normal person in every regard, except that you are attracted to women, he's attracted to men. Okay? So, the little girls looked at his dad like, her dad like, what? And the dad just answered her directly and said, there is nothing wrong with it. It is a valid choice. It is a, you know, he just reeled it out and the movie continued. And I noticed that thing. That this whole movie is about that statement. So what did they do? By that, suddenly you start things that look to you wrong before. Satan points it out to you and says that you will not surely die. Then suddenly it becomes, it begins to look. Now, the extreme was what happened to Eve. It became beautiful to behold, good for food, something you have never eaten. How do you know it's good for food? You will see, when they ate of the fruit, of course she ate it, her husband ate, and the Lord came. And the Lord said, where are you? We don't want to talk about that now, because God knew where they were. And that's one thing about God. He will not go to look for you where you kept yourself. He will go and look for you where he kept you. And they will stand there and ask for you. <laughs> Even though everything is laid before him. But he said, no, why am I going to look for you where you went? I will go to you where I kept you. And from there I will shout and look for you. Alright? That I will shout for you. Now, but you see something that, that happened. When they said that we were hiding. Why are you hiding? They said, we are hiding. Why are you hiding? He said, because we are naked. So we didn't want to come out to, to your presence naked. You know what he said to them? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? That statement is loaded. That statement is deep. He said, who told you you were naked? He didn't ask them, how did you discover you were naked? He brought a foundational principle of life to us there. That anything you believe in this life, somebody told you. Many of us don't know who told us, but the truth is somebody did. Somebody did. And what one of the principles about being a believer is to first of all receive information from God. And every information you receive that's not directly from him, you report it back to him for him to decide whether it is wrong or it is right. That is what it means to be a believer. That was what Satan told them to reject. God said to them, who told you you were naked? Then next he said, have you eaten? Do you understand? Now that was the next thing. Have you eaten of the Three I told you not to eat of. Now, another point is that is this. You see, what you eat, what you imbibe on a regular basis, decides the kind of information that can soak into your system. I'll explain that as we go on. But bear this in mind. He said, have you eaten of that fruit? Now, Satan told them something. They ate of the fruit. And let me tell you this. God didn't say, the Bible didn't say it overtly, but based on what we understand, Satan now told them that now you have eaten of the fruit. Have you noticed that you are naked? The person who told them they were naked was Satan. They did not discover it by themselves. That was why God asked them, who told you? But why they were able to receive that, I don't want to use the word truth, that information from Satan was simply because they had first eaten of the fruit that told them that 
They can make the decisions. And once they began to make the decisions, this interesting part, Satan began to tell them which decisions to make. Because it's the way life is. People who came before you are always the ones that tell you the things that are. You don't discover, listen, the truth is that you don't discover anything by yourself. When those people said, we'll make our decisions, you know, I told you, Satan lied to them. But it appeared like what he was saying was true. But what he actually did is this. He told them, eat of this fruit. By the time they ate of the fruit, then suddenly, their hearts were now open to his suggestions, to his conclusions. The first thing he told them that, look, guys, you are naked. What's the meaning of nakedness, anyway? I don't know whether you're getting my point. They had never worn clothes. So the concept does not exist to them. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. That was why God said, who told you? Because somebody had to tell them, you are not okay the way you are. They had to tell them, at your age you don't have a house, and you say you are a man. Somebody had to tell them. These were things that did not bother you before. Then you went home, you were rejoicing, very, very happy. Somebody now points and sits you down, and says that all your mates, look at what they are doing, and you have not yet done it. All of a sudden, it starts making sense. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. That is how Satan ruins people's lives. Everything that's troubling you, somebody told you something was wrong with you. Listen, somebody did. That was why God asked them, who told you you were naked? Who told you 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 are supposed to be like this? You know, that's what what they call peer pressure in life. Pressure comes from, that is all over life. Many of the reactions we have, it is based on what we are told. But what I want to emphasize is this. The reason why we can receive what Satan tells is because we first ate of the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil, saying that we will make our own decisions, not knowing that by doing that, we have exposed ourselves to decisions that actually are not ours. Sometimes you see adults make some interesting decisions, like the one that, well, you don't tell them about it, a man that had a very good job in Nigeria, fantastic job, the wife had a fantastic job, they saved money by themselves, then took a visa and ran as illegal immigrants to the United States. And they're staying in hotels, moving from one hotel to the other, waiting to look for how they arranged to settle themselves in the U.S. You know, that's the kind of thing God will tell you, who told you you were naked? To the normal thinking person, excuse me, you had a fantastic job or business. Your wife had something like that. You guys were doing okay. Enough for you to go to the American embassy and they will give you visas for no, you know, they've checked it. You looked all right to them. You could buy the tickets for yourself, for yourselves and your children. I think they had, how many children did you tell me then? Oh, you didn't have kids yet? Okay. My husband and wife. And then you could lodge, you didn't have anybody hosting you. You, you sat and you were, and you had enough cash you brought from Nigeria, you sit down and look at the person. And so what is the plan here? No plan. We'll find a way to fit into the system. And currently, you're an illegal immigrant. It's the kind of situation you look and say, who told you you were naked? In life, I wrote that little book, Someone is Controlling You. That's a matter of fact. Someone is controlling you. So, <laughs> someone is controlling you. Listen, you, you know, 
the more I live life and observe things, the more I pray that God, please don't let me walk in deception. Don't let lies control my life. Because the truth is that when you think you are making decisions, you are not really the one making decisions. Somebody told you something. And what God is saying by that, those stories we read is that, my people, there is no security in any information I didn't give you. If you reject the word of God, you expose yourself to all kinds of controls from outside. And this dressy part, you will not know. God said, who told you were naked? They thought they were the ones that made the decision. I'm giving you the word of God this morning. They were not the ones. It was not that I sat them down and said, look at you. You did not eat the fruit all this while. As old as you are, you are still naked. As old as you are, you have not built your own house. As old as you are, you don't have this. How much do you have saved up? As old... Now listen, until you visited your mother that day, you were a happy man. No? You were happy. I remember when I wanted to get married. One woman asked me. No, they were arguing about, something led to it. I was in Lagos that time. And I said, look at somebody like me, and I said, I want to marry. She was talking to me, in my face. That that's the problem with people like us. We think marriage is just something you just walk into anyhow. So I'm looking at her like, Madam, what is wrong with me marrying? I'm just wondering. Or you don't like the girl? What is it that, what's your counsel? That what do you have? Ah, what am I supposed to have? You, you, I don't know whether you're getting my point. You're kind of confused. You don't have a car? Do they say with this car I did wed? Do you understand my point? Do they say that? I don't know. They, they would drive the car to the, car, to the front of the car. Would they? Pastor Murphy asked you. With this car, I deal with. <laughs> you join you and they get locked inside the car. They, she told me things like that. And that, that is, after a while, it became insults. Of course, I didn't say anything. When she left, there was one other woman that was there. Said, Don't, of course, listen, you must understand. At that point in time, she could not sway me. I had not eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I had been eating of the tree of life. I've been eating of the tree of life constantly. So her words had no meaning to me. Had no meaning. It was after she left one of that woman that was there. Said, don't mind her. That what is worrying her is regrets. Shall she marry a rich man that has become poor? Who told you you were naked? I hope it, look, that statement, eh? I, oh, we can sit on it the whole day. And once somebody tells you you are naked, you know the next thing? You start hiding in strange places. A, home, a man and a woman that God blessed where they were became refugees, illegal immigrants. So God said, where are you? They said, we found out that we had no destiny. We found out that if, there was no future for us in Nigeria. We found out that if we have children now, they will go to public schools. We found out, I see there's nothing wrong with going to public schools, you understand? I'm quoting things people have told me before. Somebody told me once. That no, if your wife does not have paid employment, your children will go to public schools. I said, wait, what is wrong with that? Like, that was the first. And secondly, why, okay, I was saying, I was discussing some things. I said, no, why should that, if I'm going out to work, maybe my wife will stay at home. He said, no, ah, you people will suffer. I'm, t- I'm telling you what people have told me. If that person who told me that one that day, at the end of the day, I prayed for her and I laid hands on her, that God will open her. And after she said, okay, pastor, pray for me. I said, yes, bring your head. I lay. <laughs> I laid my hands. I said, in the name of Jesus, may God give you wisdom and understanding. Open your eyes. I'm serious. 
People start making stupid decisions because somebody told them they were naked. The fellow told them, you don't have a destiny. You don't have a future. Buhari is an old man. How can he be your president? You know, yes, <laughs> you know. Today I was reading the news. And I've, of course, they were talking about this man, Joe Biden. Joe Biden finally got the official recognition as the presidential flag bearer for the Democratic Party in the United States. And he's 77. And I was laughing. I said, if he's Nigerian, our people go to abuse the life out of this man. And when Donald Trump took office, he was the oldest president to take office in the United States, their history. The man's in his mid-70s. And one country, I think it's Malaysia, one country, I don't know which one now. There was so much crisis, they went and brought a 90-year-old man back. Please, these young people cannot run a country. Old man, 90 years old. They said, no, you are the only one that can help us run this country. What you know, people will sit down and be deceiving and say that what we need in this country is young. I say, young? <laughs> I've seen young people, though. I've seen young crooks. <laughs> I've seen all kinds of young human beings. But they will sit down there and be telling you, there is no future for you. And once you have heard those words, you know, the next thing you do, you start making crazy decisions. I hope you're getting my point here. What did they do? Independence was what they went to get. But when people reach out for independence, what they don't know is that they actually sold themselves up for another bondage. Let me say that again. Anytime you go for independence that God has not given you, or outside God, all you have done is sold yourself into bondage. That's all. That is all. When they ate of that tree, what they were saying is that we will make our own decisions. They did not know that actually Satan was going to make their decisions. Think about it. Now, when I say think about it, I mean, think about why Satan will help them. Why will Satan leave going to and fro to come and help two people that God placed on the earth? How will he benefit him? If they had enough wisdom, they should have known that this guy can't mean well. But God does not give us all the details and information. They just say, just obey me. That's all. That's the only security. Obey me. Some of the people come to people and say that, give us 10,000 naira in two weeks or in two months, your money will become how much? Usually it's 100% interest per month. So in two months, your money will become how much? They tell you, okay, 10,000. Okay, in two months, money will become like uh, 30,000. Okay, okay, 30. They triple it for you in two months. So I always tell people that, like we say in Nigeria, you self check them. If it was really working and it's legitimate, why would I, a normal human being, I don't know you, you're not my brother, you're not my church member, you're not my co-worker in the ministry, I see you on the road, I have the ability to triple money and I will offer it to you. Why won't I go to the bank? The bank will charge me 20% as an example in a whole year. And I can give myself 100% in one month. Excuse me, why should I offer it to you? Think about it. You know the truth? Many of us think about it, but we don't want to think about it. We know they are stealing from other people. We just hope that we will get our own part of the stolen goods early. But I've seen people who tell me that they said it worked. They'll be paying interest of 40, some of them, 40% a month on money you give to them. I said, think, think, think. 
if it really and they said that oh what they are doing that they are investing in gold have you heard those kind of things before like please let me leave my main message for a moment and help young people we all know that pyramid schemes collapse we all know so and the people the doers also the perpetrators of it they also know and they know you know so they have to look for something so they don't double money for you anymore they give you a crazy interest rate 30 percent in a month and when you are wondering what are they doing with the money they tell that they are trading what they call marginal fields in oil and gas. You know why they use things like that? Because marginal fields actually exist. They will tell you that they are trading stock and they need bulk money and they are very good. They have this particular method they use to do it. So they can afford to give you 40% in a month, sometimes 20% in a month. But there's one reason why I never listen to them. You don't love me, don't lie. If it really worked, you wouldn't offer it to me. If it really worked, you know what you would do? You will go to the bank. You will borrow their money at 20% in a whole year. Then you'll be giving yourself 40% every month. And at the end of the day, you become Dangote. Abi, is that not so? <laughs> Young people, please, they lie to you. Don't bother. One woman once walked in my office when she told me that somebody took her money like that. Not only her money, money of her friends. She gathered everybody for the scheme. I looked at her and said, do they still make people like you? That was the question I said. So adults like you still exist? The stranger will offer you this kind of interest rate and you will accept it? Just be selfish for a moment. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying be wise. I'm, I'm not saying be righteous. Just think of yourself. If that thing could work, why would a stranger offer it to you? Of course, you know what happened now. That was how I come ahead the story in the first place. Now, back to our message. I just want to drop that for young people. Anybody promising you quick money is planning to steal your money. Eventually, he will steal. He can give you the first one. The next one, he will collect. He gave you the first one so you can bring your friends. He will steal your money. Okay? That just by the way. So, when Satan came, let's get back to our message. When Satan came to Adam and Eve and was giving them those arguments, what do you think he was going for? He wanted to liberate the universe? It's a freedom fighter. Do you get, get my point? I'll tell you the truth. What he was going for, because you must understand something. In this life, there is no safety anywhere but in the Lord. There's none. And once you are in the Lord, Satan has no power over you. He has no power over you. And you know the truth? He knows. Unfortunately, many people don't know. Let me be honest with you. I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to do, hey, hey, big man of God. I have never in my adult life, since I began to learn the gospel, I'm talking about in over 30 years, I have never been afraid of Satan. I have not been afraid in 30 years and more of a witch. Now, I know it's over 30 years because that was when, was I learning the word of faith, all right, actively in 87, 88. So you can calculate that that will be 32, 32 years this year, right? Yes. I have not thought, I have been more afraid of my neighbor, human being, that could st- stick a knife <laughs> in me than of the devil. It hasn't crossed my mind that he could kill me. I'm not joking about what I'm telling you. I have not one bit ever. I, I find some jokes very interesting. Like the man who, they said, said, well, they told his wife 
to dress as the devil and come and scare the man at night. The man used to drink a lot. You know, every night you come home drunk. So then the wife now went to go and uh, report. So the man said, this is the treatment. What does he pass to when he's coming back? He told them, he said, okay, go and stay on that road around 1 a.m. at night, just like a spirit, and jump out and scare him. That the spirit, <laughs> after that, all his problems will leave him alone. All the demons possessing him. So the woman did as she was told. As the man was coming back home, staggering, half drunk, not half drunk, sorry, fully drunk, coming down home, the woman jumped out, you know, with all the, you know, the costume, jumped out of the tree at night and yeah, scared the man. The man stopped, looked at the devil, looked at the devil, and said, my friend, get away from there. <laughs> you look at Satan. That's what he thought. He said, my friend, get away. My wife is worse than you, so just leave that The man kept on going. They just pushed the devil aside and continued on his journey home. <laughs> it was the chairman of a wedding that I went to that told the story. So the woman now went back to the the man who prescribed the, the counselors. Thank you. So those one said, hey, he said that. He said, yes, okay, go home and go and think about that. <laughs> now, when I hear such stories, I laugh because I know, if the devil jumps at me like that, apart from this, she starts, you know, starts to, you know, something else, I'm serious. If I, I'm more, co- listen, if you want to scare me, cock a gun. I will quote scriptures. Bring out the knife, hey, give me your money. Then you look to me like a sinner. But if you mistakenly come out looking like the devil himself, I will not pray. I won't even say in Jesus' name, I bind you. I'm not lying to you. I won't bind you. I just say, my friend, get over me. Why would I bind you? Were you free? What I'm 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 not joking about it. If the devil could appear on my road like that, and if you want to scare me, cock a gun. That's more scary. Shoot into the air. You get my attention. But if you appear out of the spirit world, my name is the devil. I say, bro, if you are looking for lift, enter the next car. Me, I'm in a hurry. That is all I'm going to tell you. It has never crossed my mind that he can kill me. Never. It has never crossed my mind that he can steal my money. When I see people praying about witches, I wonder that, are you Christians? You can't be. It's every power, fighting my destiny, die by fire. There are prayers you won't hear from my mouth. I always say, if you can hold my destiny, try. That's my own prayer. Try now. Says I'm going on this road. All the spirits that drink blood, I cast you out. I only want you to stay. Let me see what you look like. Really, curiosity, I really want to see. What do you look like? I'm I'm going somewhere here. Because I was taught early in life as a Christian that if I'm in Christ, those things have no power over me. I was taught early in life as a Christian that if I'm in God, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I understand that I'm abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. It has never crossed my mind. That Satan is terrible. He can, he can do you strong things, like we say. It, never, it has never crossed my mind. What I know, like I say all the time, Satan has a few powers. Number one is what? 
temptation. So my duty, that is where I know Satan in quote, I should watch out for him. Temptation. So anytime you want to tempt me with any kind of temptation, I watch out for that. What am I going to say? Satan understood these things. So he said, how do I get Adam and Eve out of the cover of God? I Listen to what I want to say again. I have to give them an impression that they can run their own lives. Did you hear what I said? You know, the other day, somebody gave me a clip. Somebody was preaching. And the person was trying to explain that, how you must plan for the future of your children and that of your grandchildren and all of that. And the person was trying to explain to people why it's important to do it. So he said, what do you think? I said, I don't think so. I don't think you can plan for the future of your children. I don't think, because it was about lay up enough treasure on the earth so that your children will be blessed and your grandchildren will be blessed. I said, I do, I'm sorry. He said, no, that's the problem with people of faith. Yes, that's my problem. I can't plan it. One day somebody told me that, look, one, one, there's, one brother, there's one sister. Her, the, 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 the father bought a house in the UK long ago. And now she's staying in a free house. The rest of them are paying as much as maybe £2,000 a month in rent. That, that's why it's good to do that. I felt like I said, come, my friend, come here. Let's go to GRA here. Let me show you houses that those same fathers built that are empty now. Nobody's staying there. The children are staying in a one-room apartments in New York. The children are working three jobs in Texas to keep body and soul together. They have homes in Enugu here that their fathers built. I said, don't give me the impression that you found one person who's staying in a house. I said, okay, what if that same person had moved to Australia? Did the father buy a house in Australia? Well, the same, what if the same human being had decided, I'm going to South Africa? So you will not be like a what? Building houses all over the world? I said, stop talking stupidly. It's annoying. Told you once, my friend said, I was in his house in New York. So he said, ah, Bank, do you have time? Let me take you to a shop where the only child, one of Nigeria's top politicians of those days, had in office. He said he had this particular wife he married. The only child this woman had for him. Mention the man's name. I can't care to tell you the name now because we're streaming this in his life. He said, Banky, if you're not in the hurry, come, let us go. I will show you the shop where that only child works right now in New York for minimum wage. Emphasis, minimum wage. In his days, the father was exceedingly rich. What became of it? Nothing. Now, let me tell you something. When Satan wants to catch us, first thing he does is to tell you you can take care of yourself. Listen, when he wants to catch people, is to, you know, there was something, um, Israel's wife was preaching to women the other day. They had a meeting, and I heard part of the, <laughs> the message. She said she was, she was brought up that you must have an ambition in life. And when she met her husband, she said, what's your ambition? The man said, I don't have. Listen, if you want to marry ambition, I'll give you an address where they find ambition. If you want to marry me, marry me. I don't have ambition. She said, like, what? She said, yes, anger. You know the truth? You can't plot your life. All this nonsense. See, oh, listen, let me say something here. Christians, I'll get back to my message on salvation. Though. I know I've left it for now, but I need to, I need to help the people of God. If anybody tells you you can plan your life effectively, he's selling you to the control of Satan. I say that under God. I'm not missing my words. I don't care whether he's a preacher or an unbeliever. If they tell you you can plan your life effectively, they have sold you to the control of Satan. If you're a Christian, you either believe God or forget it. Listen, let me tell you how my life works now. Eh? 
foolishness for God is what I'm interested in now. The only thing I just pray for the Lord is, just show me that you are the one I'm obeying. That I'm not just being... Uh, do you get my point? I say it again and again. If I died obeying God, put it on my grave that this man died obeying God. I, I prefer that because this life... See, let me describe to you what the universe is like again, the one we can observe. And why I'm describing it to you is for you to use to compare what this life is. When we began this, we did a lot of physics. I'm, I'm, I'm going to back, go, go back to it for five minutes. In physics, space and time is the same thing. I hope you, ha- you understand physics that much. So, the four basic dimensions of life. Three dimensions are physical. This length, breadth, we, you know, that we talk about, depth. Then the fourth dimension, when physics people calculate, is what they call space-time. That is, you call it space. That is, the distance between here and the sun. They don't call it space. They call it space-time. That space and time, they are one. Now, this is where I'm going. So I want to give you an idea of what eternity begins to look like. When I say begin, because right now, the amount of space that we can describe, that we can observe, human beings can observe, is what I want to explain. It's about, I'll give an underestimate so I don't overstate it. The universe is said to be about 14 or 16 billion light years across in diameter. Now, how do I explain that? The light, if you travel in a space, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, what do you call it? In a jet, if, a, a, a plane. That's the standard jumbo jet, 800 kilometers, 900 kilometers an hour. Let's just say about 800 kilometers an hour. One light year, it will travel for 13 million years to cover one light year. Now, if I'm traveling from here to Lagos, it's 40 minutes. Here to New York is 10, 11 hours. Are you getting my point? To cover one light year, you travel for 13 million years. And the universe is supposed to be about 16 billion light years across. That's mind-boggling. It's difficult to imagine. Are you getting my point? Now, remember space and time, what? The same thing. What am I going to say here? Imagine your life is like the earth. The beginning of eternity is the whole of the universe. That is, by the time you have lived for a hundred years, you have just traveled from here around the world a few times. Do you get my point? You are not even going to cover one light year in the next 13 million years. Yet, we are talking about 16 point something billion. That is how great eternity is compared to this life. You live to be a hundred years. It is not even up to the time they used to blink in the beginning of eternity. That is why you can't afford to live as if this life is all there is to it. That is, this life is so transient. It is so small compared to eternity that it makes no sense to invest your effort in things that will not endure beyond this life. What am I going to emphasize? Hold on to faith and listen to me. Make sure everything you are doing is according to the will of God. There are so many ways to decide that. And leave your destiny to God. What if I fail? And you will die after a hundred years of suffering and enjoy eternity with a chest that says, I trusted God. I read my Bible. 
I found out that Abraham was living in tents. And God could have made... Listen, people were living in mansions in the days of Abraham. God did not put him in a mansion. Why? Why? John, God didn't see it fit to dress him up nicely. He didn't see it fit. I look at it. Listen, why didn't Moses, not Moses, what is his name? Paul, with all the revelation he had, spend his time on this earth planning the way we plan our lives now? I'll tell you, because the man has seen eternity and that was a waste of his time. If I'm graduating from school in three months' time, as an example, and somebody wants to give me the best room on campus, and I should pay him money that I will have to earn when I leave campus for one year, will I answer him? You know, I'm ready to sleep in class for the next few weeks and then graduate and get out. Because I know there's a better life out there. That is what happens with people who have the knowledge of the reality of eternity. They don't struggle the way we struggle for things on this earth. They say, you know, Europe is better than Nigeria, America is better than Nigeria, something better than Nigeria. To them, it doesn't mean anything. Listen. Listen, I have traveled once I went to preach somewhere. My friend came to see me in the hotel. He said, ah, man of God, this is where they kept you. He didn't like the hotel. He said, let me move you somewhere else. I said, man of God, don't worry. It's just here tomorrow. I said, I thought about it. I would start packing my bag. He was going to pay. He didn't like the hotel. He just said, let's move you to somewhere else. I was, it was already night. I just looked at the time. I said, man of God, don't worry. It's just here tomorrow. I was not comfortable, particularly. I said, it's just here tomorrow. Can you see that attitude? That's why some of the men who have seen eternity, they look at this life. Hey, you're not comfortable. You say, listen, I'm just going to be here for a few years. <laughs> Don't worry about it. What is more important to me is that what do I use a few years to execute in the light of eternity? Listen, this is very important what I'm saying. When people give you the impression you can plan your life, they are giving you over to satanic control. If anyone gives you that impression, sometimes I see pastors preach it. I just shake my head. Listen, if you're a pastor, please preach faith and leave it there. What do I mean by faith? Teach people how to obey God on a daily basis. Please Him on a daily basis. And watch out for doors that God opens. Because this is how God does the life of believers. Sufficient unto the day is the troubles thereof. When I say troubles now, challenges. Difficulties to solve. So each day, he gives you the challenge to solve for that day. And he forbids you from worrying concerning what will come in the next day. What is a day? It's not 24 hours. A day depends its season, actually. It could be 24 hours. But the principle often goes beyond 24 hours, most times. For example, if I get admitted, I'm a young man, okay? I'm living with my parents, and they said, listen to this, they say, go to school. What do I do? I, I hope you know school was never any child's idea. The first day they went to school, now cry. <laughs> Unless they have older people that made school look like the place to be. But after the first visit, unless they made good friends in school, they don't want to go back the next day. But what does the child go? The father, the mother said, it is a season of going to school. That lasts a very long time. From kindergarten, primary school, secondary, university. Time comes and say, okay, university time. Okay, what do we do? Events we arrange. You get into this place and go and study. What is the day? I want to use it as an adult now. When you are getting to the university, that's one day. 
It may be for four years. It may be for five years. Or for six years, depending on the kind of subject you're studying. Sufficient unto that day are all the challenges that the day places upon you. Sometimes it says, wake up early. You have a lecture by 8 o'clock. So, you have to be awake by 6. Have your bath, have your breakfast, dress up, do everything, and be in class by 7.45. That's that day's trouble. The lecturer comes, gives a lecture. They give you the curriculum. You read. Gives you, gives you a lecture, gives you an assignment. The day's trouble is assignment. I hope you're getting my point. You do this for years until one day you graduate. What God says is this. Demonstrate faithfulness in everything I place into your hands for that day. If you're a student, you must go to class. You must read your book. There are problems, you must bear this in mind. There are problems for each stage in life. There are sinful temptations for that season of life. What is your job? Resist them. Resist them. Resist them. Resist them. They come in different dimensions. Some of, some of, some of them have to do with sexual immorality. Some have to do with academic, uh, academic matters. Some of them have to do with money. They have to do with all kinds of things. The job for that day is what? Resist them. One after the other. If anybody tells you that, listen, hey, by the time we leave school, which work are you going to do? Tell the fellow, none of my business. I'm not permitted to worry about that now. There's something that's been in my mind. I, I teach it once in a while, but I still feel like I've not yet exhausted passing it across to Christians. And that's the fact that you have to make up your mind how you want to live your life. Do you want to live your life with God taking care of you or you want to live your life with human sense? Because the problem with a lot of believers is that we mix both of them up. So we get confused with people's testimonies. How one man, by the time he was in his fourth year, a year before he graduated, he was already planning. He was already doing this. And look at what happened to him now. We want to mix that testimony into the life of believers, thereby explaining to them, do you understand my point? How to take thought for the moral. I hear such testimonies, I reject them. Like the one I said, somebody said I should listen to. You know, someone was going to explain to them, how, I said, listen, I said, from what this man is teaching these people, what he's saying is, lay up treasure on the earth. I said, let's say it the way it is. You are saying I should lay up treasure on the earth so that my grandchildren will be happy. A friend of mine called me yesterday. He lives in the, in the U.S. We're discussing, and he said, Banky, are you aware that the world's biggest car rental company has gone under because of COVID-19? He mentioned the name. He said, do, I, do you know Carl Icahn? I said, oh, I know Carl Icahn, the green male man. He said, yes. He said, the man owns about 30 to 40%, something between 30 and 40% of the shares of the company. He gave me the figures of the amount of money the man lost in that process. And somebody wants me to invest on this earth? Just to make, you know, <laughs> crack some jokes. He said somebody told him, he's a doctor in the United States. He said somebody told him that, listen, oh boy, the worst place to get financial advice is doctor's common room. <laughs> he said because the problem with doctors a lot of times is that because they are very smart generally, they think they know everything. Forgetting that they only know cardiology and surgery. <laughs> so they will still be deceiving themselves on how to invest money. He said, actually, what happened to him? He went there one day, one of them said, man, this is the time to buy airline shares. They are at rock bottom right now. 
He said, Banky, the guy is a cardiologist. He's telling me when to buy LHS. He said, I believed him. He said, the only problem is I didn't have money. <laughs> he said, a few days later, he heard the news that Warren Buffett sold all the shares he had in airlines. He said he shouted, say, Mugwe, thank God I did not listen to that. He said, if the oracle himself, now, are you getting, if you know Warren Buffett, it's called the sage of Omaha, the oracle. Nobody, he said, look, he said, Banky, this man knows the inside and outside of these companies. And the man opened his mind, I read it, he said the company will not, the, the airlines will not recover in a very long time. And he gave his reasons. So many things. You know, reduce demand, oversupply, too many planes, overhead. He said, Banky, imagine me listening to a cardiologist and I'm going to carry all my money. <laughs> he said, Nana, nah, cry out for day. This is what I'm trying to, that's what I'm going to explain to you. He told me something. I need to quote it. He said, yeah, you, of course, all of us know that. That coronavirus kills less than 2%. He said 1.5 average of people with infect. He said, yet the whole world is suffering like this. He said, normally, there's traffic on my way to work. He said, no, I don't get any traffic. People are jobless. Economy is so slow in the United States. He now said something. He said, God has proven that trusting in man is vain. He said, God has proven to the earth again that to trust in anything on this earth is vain. I said, my brother, this is exactly what we have been preaching to people. And somebody now tells me, I should plan on that. Let me tell you the truth. He himself does not know how. Nobody knows how they become rich in this life. Christians don't want to be rich. James said, you're only piercing yourself through with many sorrows. What should you want? Be faithful. God plans your life. Each day, listen to me. He has plotted what the next day will be. Let me explain what I'm saying. He's not asking what you want or what you think. Before you were born, he plotted it. I give myself an, as an example a lot. That until I came to Enugu, coming to Enugu had never crossed my mind. I have lived in Enugu for 20 years. And I keep on telling people, I'm not promising you I will die in Enugu. Do you know why? I never promised anybody I will come in the first place. So why are you planning to go anywhere? No, now get my point. I didn't plan to come here in the first place. That's the point I'm making to you. I never planned. Two people just said to me, have you considered coming to Enugu? The first time somebody said, like, what? And God had introduced the city to me in 1988. I finally came in the year 2000. This discussion was like, yeah, it was early 2000. I took a trip here, 88, thereabouts, 88, 89. Now, the point I'm making is that I never thought about it. I never thought about it. It never crossed my mind until the year 2000. Yet, by September, I was living here. When I say living here, moved over. And that will be 20 years this year. Somebody say, build a house. Someone will say, our children will pack into it. My father, I'm not aware he ever came to Enugu. And if he built a house in Enugu, I can assure you, I won't live there. Because we'll have built one for his generation. And I looked at it, I said, why do you want me to look like I committed this sin, living this kind of thing? And the time you would have been building, you know, you would have been like, yeah, this is a, 
This is the this is the house. This is the house. Don't you see those houses in GR all over town? The children, especially the ones who are living abroad, they beg people to help them cut it to pieces so that they can rent it out because the houses are so big. An average person doesn't want to rent it. And even if they are willing to rent it, you wouldn't be willing to accept the rent they were willing to give you. So they started remodeling houses that their fathers built with all kinds of sweat. Who told you you can plan your destiny? What God says that each season, I arrange something for you. In that season, please learn faithfulness. Exhaust that season to the limit. If you're a student, read. If you're a worker, work hard. Work well. Work diligently. And listen to me, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, why don't we, should I put 10% aside? But now you are discussing with me about putting 10% aside. You have already proven to me you are eating well. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So you're putting this one aside in the stock market, and then eventually, when you, after 15 years, <laughs> listen, don't learn, listen, you, you must understand, be careful. Sometimes, like my friend said, some of these Gospels are for people who have eaten, if I one brother said that, Somebody was saying something. He said, this is what this man is preaching for those who live abroad. He said, where I minister, nobody can practice this. And there was something he was trying to say. He said, take insurance. You know, you take insurance for your children. I said, yeah. my father did insurance. Do this. When they paid him, hmm? the money could not pay for his old 504. And he did it for 20 years. You know this insurance, life insurance thing they do? At the end of 20 days, they will not pay you. That's why when the man came to me in Lagos, if he's giving me money, at the end of 15 years, I'll give a certain amount. He didn't know that I had the experience of my father. <laughs> Apart from the gospel, I had the experience of my father. <laughs> no, I'll give it to you. My father was paid that money, I think, in the early 80s, like 83, 84. You know how much he was paid? 2009. Now, you may look small, right? But remember, when he began it in the 60s, he was going to get 2,000 pounds. The average earning those days for a well-paid person was 30-something pounds, maybe 20 pounds in a month. So, if you are earning 20 pounds in a month, and they tell you that, save a little bit, a few pennies here and there, and at the end of 20 years, if you don't die, we are going to give you the money back as 2,000 pounds. You know what? It was heavy. So you don't blame him. Except that when they paid him, he was driving a 504 he bought for 7,000 naira. Brand new. I don't know whether I get my point. That the investment of 20 years could not buy a 504. He bought his 504 for 6,700 naira. I saw the receipt. Brand new from, from Pan. So as when the, he bought the car in 80, 81, so when a man came to me later and wanted to sit down to me, I said, God will punish me only because I did not listen to my father's experience. That disobeying the word of God, God won't even punish me. He said, this boy, you are very foolish. You saw your father go through this thing. And you still want to go through it too. But what I told him, which is true, how much was he promising me? It was not even up to 200,000. I said, in the 15 or 20 years you are telling me, if 200,000 naira will not be money that I will be thinking about. And jokes are part. By the time that year started counting, when we got to that year, 
If I lost 200,000 Naira, it would take me a week to remember to tell my wife. Listen, what am I trying to preach? Don't let anybody give you the impression you can plan your destiny. You can't. Listen, that was what Satan told Adam and Eve. I said this is a digression. We're going to get back to our, our salvation story. That was what Satan told Adam and Eve. You will become like what? God. Able to decide destinies. <laughs> and God said, they have become like one of us, except that there is a catch. The being like one of us just means that you're now independent of God. God said, let me show you what it means. Now I want to discuss death, right? God said, I will show you what it means to be independent of me. Go out there and go and produce your own food. Listen, let me say something about the curses that God placed upon Adam and Eve. Yes, they were curses. Quite all right. I'm not saying they were not curses. But they were not exactly angry curses like, I will show you. I will punish you for this thing you have done. No. It was like, you want independence? Go and face the consequences of independence. I don't know whether you got that. You can't be in my garden except you are subject to me. I've made the earth. It works. Now go out there and go and be independent. Now these are the consequences of independence. He said to him, from the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. He said, these are the consequences of independence. In toil, you will eat of the ground all the days of your life. This is the consequence of independence. He said, curse is the ground because of you. What does that mean? A curse is the opposite of a blessing. So let me define what a blessing is, then we understand what a curse is. A blessing is the empowerment to succeed. That's the easiest way to explain a blessing. And that's why you see in the Bible, you read through your scriptures, anytime God finishes creation, you know what he'll say? The Bible will say, and he did what? He blessed them and said, go and check it. He blessed them and said, what was the, what was in it that this blessing, look at those ble- the blessing in his words, be fruitful and multiply. If God did not utter those words, even though he puts the um, reproductive measures in the animals, in the plants, they would never have multiplied. The fact that something is physically present does not mean it must work. Are you getting my point? People will tell you that uh, evolution, this one, listen. If even if evolution produced all those things, it couldn't make them work. After God created the man, created, created the beasts of the field, created the grass of the field, the, animal, the plants and everything, what did he do? He spoke a word to them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. What is a curse, therefore, is the exact opposite. It's a lack of the power to succeed. So God said to, to Adam, now you want independence? Independence you shall have. Go to the ground. You will see that I have withdrawn the blessing I placed upon the ground because you said you don't want my rules. I don't know whether you are getting my point. You can't live in my house except you are going to live by my rules. Even that ground 
For it to bear fruit for you, I will, I had to pour a blessing upon it. But because you have declared independence from me, I have withdrawn my blessing. It wasn't like I'm angry, I will flog you. It was like, no, 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 guys, you don't understand. These are the consequences of what you did. So he said to him, simply, in toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. He said, both tongues and thistles it shall grow for you. That is what you are looking for will not come out of it naturally. Let me say something again. Many of the things we are learning in this life, many of the principles, listen, be careful when you are reading books. So I, I've read a lot, so, and I keep reading. This is, I do a lot of reading of, you know, articles and all of that. I'm very careful when I read. Do you know why? Do you know God didn't say to Adam, you will not eat? What did he say? Verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. What does that mean? If Adam sweated well, you will get enough bread. Did you hear that? And many people have sweated on this earth. They've gotten bread and they have written books on how to sweat and get bread. And Christians are reading it day and night and pastors are bringing it to church and they are quoting from it. Books on how to sweat and get bread. How to operate under a curse. And still get food. It's written to for us every day. How to You know I said something along the line. That one thing I've been trying to explain to believers. I'm not sure I've done it well enough. Is that they must make up their minds the realm they want to live in. Both of these realms of our life. They're on this earth together. You can decide you want to live in the realm of the blessing. Or you want to succeed. With the sweat of your brows. When God said to Adam. And Eve, of course, that the day you eat of it, you shall die. What they did not understand, it didn't mean they would collapse, they would die. What it meant is that for the ground to produce, I needed to bless it. The day you eat of that fruit, you will have removed my, yourself from my blessing. So I withdraw my ability from around you. So you start walking in the realm of death. That is, you start walking under a curse. When I made the earth, what did I do? You never saw the word curse at the beginning. What did you see? Bless them. What is a curse? You know, God said to them, to, he said to Israel, I have placed before you life and a blessing and a death and a curse. Life goes with blessing. So when he says that day, you will die. What he was saying to them is simple. That day, life will go away. Death will come in. And what is the manifestation of life it is a blessing. What is the manifestation of death? Is what? A curse. So, when they said, that day you will die, what God was saying to them is simply, simply this, what you ended up saying. He said, curse is a ground because of you. What was he saying to them? That day you will stop walking in the realm of life that have poured a blessing upon. You start walking in the realm of what? Death. And that was what he meant when he said, Cursed is a ground because of you. He spoke to the man. He spoke to the woman. I don't analyze all of those things in details. That is the meaning of death. What is death? It is when God's life, the empowerment to succeed, has been withdrawn from people. Sometimes I look at this. Let's take this coronavirus thing that's going on. <laughs> I have classmates who are doctors, so they chat every day. I quote some of their chats. Somebody posted something today about... The meaning of this and this and this and that and that. 
So another guy now asks a question. He's a psychiatrist. He asked the person who posted it that, okay, if you say this, then what am I supposed, how am I supposed to interpret this other one? It was like a confusing issue. So I now answered. I said, you know why it's called corona, uh, uh, COVID-19? I said, it's confusing virus disease, CO. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. I said, it's a confusing virus. You heard the other day, they stopped trial with chlor- for chloroquine. WHO discontinued it. Only for, after two weeks or a week, they said the people, now listen, the publication was published, two publications came out in, there's what we call impact factor in scientific publications. All right? I don't know how many of you know about impact factors. The journal with the highest impact factor is the New England Journal of Medicine. It has the highest impact factor. They published inside there. One of the world's oldest journals is Lancet. It publishes scientific breakthroughs. They publish inside there. Two articles saying chloroquine does not do any, what they call it, it has no advantage in coronavirus, in COVID-19. After a week, <laughs> less than two weeks later, they say, sorry, sorry. The data is flawed. Methodology was not properly explained. That we have asked people that put the data, to, uh, data together to get in, uh, to allow independent access so as to check this and this and this and that, and they have refused. So, New England Journal and Lancet apologize to the whole world and we do the publications. And WHO said, as I yesterday said, sorry, we are going to start our trial with chloroquine again. Now, pardon me when I laugh. You know why I laugh? God said, Oh, you think you are wise. I told you at the beginning, I came out to confound the wisdom of the wise. I will watch you people. Continue. Listen, let me tell the world. Church, tell the people, they have to pray. You know, <laughs> my friends say in the U.S. that they are tired. That people have just learned to live with the coronavirus. That I beg, kill those who want to kill. Let the rest of us live. That they, everybody is tired. Everybody is tired. What am I going to explain here? I'm talking about the meaning of what? A curse. When God said, from your breath, from the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. You know what's going on right now with this coronavirus thing? Scientists are trying to eat bread from the sweat of their brows. They are researching day and night. And what are we getting? Confusion. What are we getting? No, there are things I can't tell you now. Like I said, because we are streaming live. I have plenty of gist. How can you pause? Israel, don't mind him. <laughs> Honestly. But this is somebody, what I want to say about the whole thing. God has commanded a blessing around you. That is somebody. Say amen. Sometimes I see hospitals say that we just discovered two cases. Everybody be careful, be careful, be careful. I start laughing. You know why I start laughing? They don't know. And what I'm telling you is a spiritual fact. Okay? But medically verifiable, but nobody checks. They don't know that 50 cases came over the last few weeks. Then they finally caught two cases. He can go say, relax, it's not going to kill you, don't worry. Why? Because you invoked my blessing. And I poured the blessing. These things are not accidents. If I withdraw the power of death from any virus, it loses its power. Then they will write new books and say, it has undergone, there's a word like that in medical science. They say it has undergone passage. It has become weaker. 
God said, it is because I withdrew the power of death from it. Please follow me. What I'm going to explain here. When man went for independence, he left the realm of the blessing and went into the curse. And today I've emphasized to us that we, we believers must be careful. If somebody tells you you can plan your life, he's giving you over to satanic manipulation. Can I say something about sin? I said before, sin, iniquity, well, the words are different, okay? So I'll just use words just so I may confuse them, but you get my point. The principle of iniquity is, you know, rejection of the control of God over your life. Now, this is what I want to say next. Now, when we talk about sin, you did this, you did not do that, it comes out of your life naturally if God does not have a grip over your soul. Do you know why? The person who leads you into sin, his name is Satan. And what he's doing is that he's telling you things you think you are the one thinking them. He's controlling you. This is what I'm going to make. Sometimes, look at this one that happened recently. A man knelt on another person's neck, the George Floyd matter, in the open, until the man died. Now, please, I'm sorry I started this, but I've started it already. But pardon me. I'm not trying to get involved in politics, in race discussions. I'm not trying to get involved in it at all. But... I've started this, so let me just say some things. I am convinced he did not intend to kill that man. You say, why? Why will he kill when everybody's watching? Now, I suspect that he'll be found guilty of killing the man. He's been charged for second-degree murder. Like my wife will say, that that man, the man will say, what woke me up this morning? Why did I go to work today? Because whether you like it or not, you have become world infamous. Are you getting my point? People know you all over the world for a bad thing. Likely you will go to jail for a long time. Possibly, I told somebody, I said, did they test that man's blood? Whether he smoked something? I'm going somewhere. That once once God has lost control because of you, the rulership over your life, The guy who is running you after, you don't know what he will do. You think you are the one in charge. So sometimes when people say, I want to plot my life, that's where I'm going. When Christians get get into that, I want to plot my life, I want to plot my life, I want to do what I want to do. Listen to me. It is called iniquity. And it's a matter of time. Sin will be found all over your life. Listen, it will happen. It will happen. I'm not saying that maybe... No, 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 no. It will happen. Once God, you take the control from him. I want to plot my life. Listen, it's a matter of time. You will start stealing. It's a matter of time you start lying. One day you'll be surprised. you look at yourself. Now, me, man of God, I have two girlfriends. The church who they don't know yet. You, you look at yourself. Where did I start from? And sometimes you want to counsel people. Don't do this. Don't do that. You are a man of God. God said you don't understand. His problem began when he decided to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thinking he could plan his own ministry. I told him, this will be an evangelist. Go from one town to the other. He says, I need a church. So they can be calling me Papa. So that means I will have big offerings. I will have money. God says, no problem. What you don't understand that by doing that, you have... Oh, please get my point. You are walking in... Listen, it is not when you sin that iniquity begins. It's when you reject the lordship of God over your life. 
Then you start walking in sin. It starts little by little. Why? Because the person who said, eat of that tree. This is how it comes. He said, listen. You say you are a man of God. They told one man in Nigeria this. Which kind of ministry are you doing? It's not the same way your brother is doing. Why? <laughs> you know the person I'm talking about. His brother is a preacher. He is a preacher. His brother is the one... You know, hey, thank you. The brother don't blow. The brother will come home to visit their parents and he's driving one sharp ride. And he has, you know, protocol, protocol with him. And he goes, ah, daddy, he greets his father and he sits down. And the protocol people, they stand outside the house and then, you know, they have two cars that escorted him home. And when he's leaving, he sees his father properly. Ah, mommy, I brought this one for you. <laughs> then the brother will come to the same house from this mission field. How he arrives, I don't know. Maybe he took one bus and joined the other. Then finally, the taxi, he took one taxi, dropped him at the gate. And he comes down, greets his father. Let me stop the story there. So one day the father sat him down and said, wait. I sent the two of you to school. Two of you said you want to be ministers of the gospel. I have no problem with that, but I just want to know. Is it not ministry two of you, you and your brother? <laughs> I'm serious. People, people were told that. Why are you not doing ministry like your brother? Let me quickly say that to you. That's what they call satanic counsel. We used to laugh about it those days. These days, I don't find it funny anymore. It's called Satan. What did I call it? Satan. Satan. It's called Satan. And there are many men who abandoned what God said they should do. And they went the way of their brother. Sometimes they change cities. Where God planted them is not good enough again. They went somewhere else. Why? That's where the offering is. Now, this is what I'm going to explain to you. That is what the Bible calls sin. It calls iniquity. It's a principle. Once you step into that, what you have said is simple. I want to plot my own destiny. Once you buy that, Satan now comes and says, can't you see you are naked? Then you look back and say, I have been in ministry for 15 years. My brother has been in ministry for only 10 years. He has built a house in our hometown. He has one in the city where he stayed. I am naked. Then God says, who told you you were naked? How did you hear you were naked? He said, have you been eating? So what happens is that you decided to plot your own destiny. And the tempter who told you you could plot your destiny, the first thing he tells you is that you are naked. Listen, that's why many pastors get to church and their doctrines change. Why? Satan told them they are naked. I told the people I tried to tell them before that I am naked. I couldn't see the nakedness. Remember the young man I said, who said, you are still going to the bank? I said, what's wrong with it? I go to buy fuel. But the one I say fuel, I don't mean in my car. I mean, I carry in the house, there's no fuel at home. I take my jerry can, go to the filling station at night, wearing my shorts. I can run my own errands. I don't think it's a big deal. The day Pastor Corey came, he made a joke about it. He said, ah, Pastor Banky's wife still drives herself. And that was the day it dawned on me that I'm a big minister, my wife shouldn't be driving herself. Now, he was joking because we are from the same family. We have the same thoughts about all of these things. He was making a joke about it. But, you know, there are people who count it an insult. What am I saying? Satan said to them, what? They are naked. Now, that is where sin starts. That is the foundation of sin. That is the foundation of sin. 
And once you move into that dimension, what starts happening is that the blessing is withdrawn from you. After that, you have to start struggling. And let me say this again. Satan now comes to you and starts telling you how to get it the way of the world. And let me say another thing. Don't assume it will be hard. You say, but the Bible said, God said to Adam, from the sweat of your brow, that is when Satan has not finished with you. What do I mean? Let me explain. That same Satan will now come. Bow to me. Did you hear what I said? Initially, you went for yourself, right? Then he comes and says, bow to me. Once you bow to Satan, things become easy. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. When you bow to Satan, things become easy. That preacher I was telling you about as an example. When he first goes that way, church will be hard. Why? There's no grace. Where God gave him grace is one mission field to another. Where God gave him grace is go from this town to this town, be doing an evangelistic work. Then when he decides to gather the, that church and be like his brother, what happens is that he doesn't have the grace, so he starts struggling. He starts struggling. Then somebody now comes to him and says, this is not how it is done. All these men who are successful, we know how they did it. We took them there. There are two types of invitation. Let me give you the milder one. Some of them is at least you don't do like this. You will get, they'll give you a list. Now, okay, let me give you the two types. The second side, do you know there are men who have moved? In fact, they said, was it Sadhu that said it? That the warlock of Africa, you understand? The chief priest of occultism in Africa was a Pentecostal preacher. And right now, he's the one that initiates a lot of these false false prophets into ministry and gives them power. They start reading your phone numbers off their heads, and they're not lying about it. He said the man was a Pentecostal preacher. Right now, he's a wizard. And preachers have gone to him to collect power. He said the man lives in Ghana. They've gone from all over Africa. And when they come back, they start commanding the crowds. I was on ministers one day. One was telling me something that one man only wants to preach. He starts saying, hmm. Nasa Tokam, Nasa Gobi. Nasa Tokam. Incantation. It's on the pulpit. But you will not know. You see preachers start carrying amulets. Why? Somebody told them they were naked. And then God said, you have to go and struggle. Sweat. They sweated. Sweated. The earth did not yield anything for them. Then Satan now comes and says, bow to me. Like I said, that's the extreme. And listen to me, it happens. It happens. It happens. It's all over the place. But let me give you the milder one. The milder one, they will come and advise you. What am I talking to? Maybe there's a preacher listening to me. Apostle. They need to be corrected. All of us need to be careful. They say, look, inside the church, this is not how they grow the church. You need, you first, you tell it, listen, you first get, give a list of musicians. Some of the, a lot of the so-called Christian musicians, they are evil spirits. They don't, they don't believe in God. Church music sells. There was one I used to tell my wife those days. I said, this guy is not a Christian. I said, how do you know? And he'll be there. Everybody's worshiping. Oh, hallelujah. I said, one day I was in a particular service. I went to one church. The guy came to minister. Everybody worship. I sat down, I was looking at him. My wife said, what's going on? I said, because this guy is not a Christian. Forget what this rubbish he's doing in front of us. Hallelujah. We just want to worship the Lord. I said, hey, come on, sit down. <laughs> that is my wife. I said, how do you know? I said, me? I know this guy. 
I said I know him. He's a jams man. He delights to jam. Then one pastor hired him. Later when she found out what I was saying was true. My husband, you were right. I said, I always knew I was right. It's not now that you're telling me that I'm right. I've been right for a long time. <laughs> so they just they say, okay, listen, let's hire this people, hire people, they pull in the crowd. There are churches that they have to do that every week to keep the crowds coming. It's pressure. The next thing, and I say, wait, when you have this kind of crowd, you must know how to what? Connect it with an offering. These are not the very evil ones. For in everyday people are under pressure, bowing to Satan. Why? Because at the beginning, somebody told them, plan your own destiny. They didn't know they were listening to Satan. You must understand, the day Peter came and said to Jesus, you will not go to the cross. See, what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. That Satan said, plan your own destiny. They plotted the destiny. Then they came under the curse of God, which says what? The earth will not yield increase for you. You have to sweat. When they began to sweat, Satan came back and said, bow to me, and I will give you the kingdoms. And I'm saying to you, many people have bowed to Satan Today, there's an overt way of bowing to Satan, joining cults, joining occultic groups. That's one overt way. But many people bow subtly. How do you bow subtly to Satan? Little by little. You don't just bow in one day. It's little by little. Little by little. You don't even know you're bowing. I'm talking to preachers. Sorry, I'm sorry. Everybody else, please forgive me. That's just what is my spirit, okay? They start changing their doctrines. You preach truth, the church does not grow. Preach business motivation, it will grow. Reduce, you see, listen, you don't, do you know, people have told musicians before, the problem with your music, why you are not saying is that you put Jesus in it. Just remove Jesus and put God. And listen, God is not the offense. Jesus is the offense. I hope you get my point. The rock of offense, his name is Jesus. I have one habit these days. If you say you're a Christian musician, I start looking for that name. Inside your music. If I don't find it, you are suspicious. In fact, there was one woman that I've been listening to for a long time. A woman can worship. So I told my wife, ah, Jesus no dead inside this worship. I'm getting, I want to stop the worship. No, 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 when the woman is worshiping, like the kite, charged. So one day, I now saw one of the tracks loaded with, I said, I told my wife, oh, she's a real worshiper. She's a real worshiper. Listen, anybody who is worship, listen, anybody who is singing Christian music and you don't find the name Jesus in the album, He's not singing Christian music. I'm not trying to criticize. I'm giving you facts. You have, you can listen. I listen to secular music. I'm not trying to say that uh, you can't listen to depressing. I'm just saying it's not Christian music. Just like um, uh, 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 Messi is not a Christian footballer, is he? Ronaldo is now the is a billionaire now. I read about it a few days ago. Is he playing Christian football? <laughs> Don't you watch him? Are you going to go to hell for watching Ronaldo? No, no. The feeling station you buy is then go to a Christian um, uh, cement maker. Answer me now. No. Is refinery was so open? Is it going to be Christian fuel he's selling? No. Then why are you buying it? Because there's nothing wrong with the fuel. I hope you're getting my point. In the same manner, if you are singing, sometimes you can just be you can be singing. Oh, COVID! Oh, COVID! We will overcome. I mean, we will sing along with you. Who does not want to overcome COVID?
there was a time they gave um, an award to Sonia there and uh, 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 no, when uh, uh, when they sang, uh, if you love me, you will wait for me. They said, good, we can sing it for family planning. If you love me, you will wait for me. What is wrong with it? I'm not saying, I, I mean, it doesn't have to be Christian music. It doesn't have to be. But, but, if you say you are playing Christian music, I don't find Jesus in it, you are lying to me. No matter how nice it is, we are the righteousness of God. Say anything you like. Oh, we will like... There's one musical group I used to listen to. I still have some of their songs. They call it Sounds of Blackness. As far as I'm concerned, they are not Christian. They just they sing what they call Negro Spiritual. This very nice beats. You've heard the song, I believe, I believe, anyhow, and, and it's not Christian music. I have the whole album. L- listen to it where? Jesus, Babu, and chicken. There's no Jesus inside. There's no Jesus inside. I jumped to it too. I believe anyhow, and I'll never, never doubt. Every minute, every hour, I believe in what? When I sing my own, I believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. It's my personal, I, I Christianize it in my home. Body group in gospel. Is it bad? No. However, if you started that gospel and you went that way, you bowed to Satan. You bowed to Satan. If you started with gospel and they were able to persuade you to drop the name Jesus so as to get more you know, fans, you bowed to Satan. You bow to Satan. A lot of people don't realize it. You think you just say, oh, Satan, we worship. No. That's how people bow to Satan. You start changing your doctrines. You start changing your, what do you call it? Your principles. You start reducing the truth because sometimes as a pastor, you will not be able to preach what you want to preach because the offering will go down. You are bowing to Satan. You are bowing to Satan. Why? Because you began to walk in the power of death. That's what I wanted to preach about today, but the other things just stayed in my mind. What is death? Death is why everything breaks down. Death, listen to me, let me summarize what death is and we'll close. Death is the reason why there's communal conflicts. Death is the reason why nations rise against nations. Death is the reason why Cain killed Abel. When God said to them, that day you will surely die, Adam and Eve did not understand. They had children who were clean themselves. That's what is called death. Death affects the ground. So the productivity is taken from the ground. The weather goes upside down. That is death. Cyclones, hurricanes, stuff like that start coming into the earth. Listen, divine judgment follows your iniquity. That is what is called death. That is what is called death. Suddenly, animals become aggressive against you. Serpents begin to bite. Lions kill. That's what is called death. Then one day, coronaviruses. Viruses have always been on the earth. I hope you understand that. They're not new. Bacteria, the soil you step on. If you take a handful like this, there are millions of bacteria inside that handful. But they don't harm you. God did not make them originally to harm anybody. Inside your body, you know. Why don't we circumcise children, that's male children, before the, before the eighth day of life? 
Why? Because they don't have enough vitamin K. Why don't they have enough vitamin K? Their gut, their intestine is sterile. No bacteria. So they, as soon as they start sucking breasts, they are picking bacteria from the mother's skin, from their clothes, from the environment, from what they inhale. Bacteria everywhere. And God did it like that. Over the next few, few days, their intestines become full of bacteria that make vitamin K. They don't make enough for the first seven days of life. That is why medically, even though God told Israel to do it on the eighth day, we found out that God knew what he was doing. That's why they didn't circumcise your children on the first day. They will bleed to death. So he said, wait till the eighth day, then you circumcise. Why? That's when the levels of vitamin K in the body is high enough to cause clotting. Oh, you think, like God, he made, he, God didn't have to read your book to know that one. He, <laughs> he made it so. Oh, bacteria. He didn't, he, he knows why he made them. Some of the things they call evolution, I love that, they misunderstand. God plotted some things. He can remove a trait from one particular plant to another one, and he transmits them by viruses. He knows what he's doing. They were not designed to kill anybody. But when death comes in, next thing you hear of coronavirus, you hear of HIV, you hear of uh, what they call it, all kinds of viruses, human papilloma virus, this one, this one, all kinds of viruses causing cancers, we suddenly arise out of nowhere. God said, this is what happens when you walk in independence of me. And that is death, physically speaking. There's what is called the second death. And the eternal death, which everyone who lives through this life and rejects the call of God to be reconciled to him, we fall into. It's called the second death, eternal damnation. That is the second death. That is the second death. So what did Jesus come to redeem us from? Death. Now, maybe next time, we, 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 I, I didn't um, discuss that in details. People say that we are suffering for Adam's original sin. And I want to say you that's only partly true. The Bible says that death, through one man, we read that from Romans chapter 5, through one man, death came into the world, and sin came into the world, and death by sin. And it's death spread to all men. What was the reason he gave? He said, because all sinned. Why is death spreading till today? It is because we all sinned. And people have always said that, what sin could we have committed? We think that sin... It's only when you have transgression. That is transgression being that a commandment is given and you break it. No, the principle of iniquity is the principle of independence. Sin, what is sin? Is when you do that which is not right. Whether you knew it was right or wrong, it is sin. Let me give you an example. If I dashed you an appliance, I did not tell you where I bought it from. I bought it from the United States. And the power rating is 110 volts. And then you plug it and it blows that's what they call sin. Did you know? Did you know? No. But did you do what is wrong? Yes. Did you blow your appliance? Yes. What is transgression? When I tell you and you still go against it, that's transgression of the law. But sin exists whether there's a law or not. And that's why Paul said in Romans chapter 5, sin was in the world before the law came. I hope you're getting my point here. So there was iniquity. If we reject, that is, if we don't deliberately subject ourselves to God, then we are walking in sin. Not because we are trying to be wicked, but because we are maintaining our own independence. 
I hope you're getting my point here. What did Jesus come to save us from? I'll tell you. It's simple. He came to, first of all, break our independence from God. Listen to me. Jesus didn't just come to bless us. What he came to do was to make us, what? Sons of God. What he came to do was to reconcile us with the Father. What he came to do was to say to us, oh boy, you know you did not make yourself. Reference Psalm 100. And you say yes. Now let me take you to the person that made you. And the person you will, you will serve. And that's what we mean when we say we give our lives to Christ. Now listen to me. It does not mean we never do anything wrong after that day. It's like saying a child, because he's been born, he must never fall down. I hope you're getting my point. No. But it does say that henceforth, you know, yesterday I was, I was, I was just thinking about the Lord. I really, I don't mean to be, I'm not, don't mean to brag. It may sound like, I said, Lord, I said, think about it. All my adult life, I've had no other God but you. I didn't say I never did anything wrong. Even if I did wrong, I did things that were wrong, I looked over my shoulder to check whether he's coming. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I remember once a, a young man offended me when I was in university. And I believe that God counted that in specially because I never forgot. I was very young, my first year on campus. And I was supposed to go to fellowship that day and I said I wasn't going to go. Why? Because I felt the spirit was saying, you must forgive him. And I said, I'm not going to forgive him. I want to kill him. Not, not literally kill him. But I wanted to, to hurt him badly. But I remember my struggle. You will go to fellowship. Yes, I know, but I'm not going to go because if I go, I will forgive. And that is one thing I don't want to do right now. So finally, when it was time for fellowship, I dressed up and went. And I didn't talk to God for a few days. If you get what I'm going to say, I was not happy with him. Because as soon as I got there, I sat down. I did not enjoy that fellowship the whole day. Why? He made me forgive that young man. And I found out later, I think, I may be wrong, but this was my estimate, that he blessed me for that and punished that young man. I can't give you details now. I'm convinced he blessed me for that choice and he punished that young man. I was just saying the Lord, I said, ah, so where else will I go? That's what it means to be reconciled to God. It doesn't mean you never do anything wrong. But you fear him, you love him, you keep your eyes on him, and realize that you have to live for him. Let me end with the, the expression of Paul. He said, God, whose I am and whom I serve. That statement was vomiting whatever may have been inside him from eating of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was rejecting the principle of independence from God. And that is the first thing that Jesus came to do for us. I hope you've gotten my point. Let's bow down here. Let's just give a lot of thanks. Let's give a lot of thanks for these words that we have heard today.